hey, today's guest is a guy named Eric Urisk. Super cool guy. I hope I'm saying his last name right too. It's U-R-E-S-K, Eric U-R-E-S-K. And you can find him on Instagram at Eric the Gentleman. Uh, super cool guy. So just want to put that out there. He's a, a coach, uh, championship mindset and MMA coach. And so if you want to track him down, that's how you do that. You know, I usually start these things off with sponsorships. We're going to plug a couple of sponsors and then get into the get into the juicy stuff. Also, speaking of juicy stuff, Bean Juice, that's our first sponsor. The name of the company is not Bean Juice, but if that is not a coffee company name, that's actually a pretty cool coffee company name. Someone should take that, run with it, build your own coffee company. But the coffee company we're talking about is Next Coffee, N-X-X-T Coffee. So N-X-X-T, Next Coffee. It's really all about taking life to the next level with uh, the folks behind the scenes at Next Coffee. And that's what they do with their coffee game. There's this thing called a coffee cup rating. goes from like zero to 100. Uh, you know, the stuff in the can at the store that smells kind of funny. It's probably like a 50, I don't know, 60, 70, whatever. But even when you go to really high-end coffee shops, it's very rare to get something over a 90. And these folks at Next have a variety of coffee scores uh, you can find stuff in the 80s, which is probably something that's more familiar to you. Even if, if you get a good, nice, high-end coffee, you probably are in the mid to high 80s. But they have one called a Shady Lion. It's a signature, uh, their signature line, it's an Ethiopian sweet lily. It's actually rated 92 to 93. It's one of those things that I think you, if you don't have a deep appreciation for the quality of coffee and like the real coffee taste that most of us don't get because most coffee companies, they just roast the heck out of their beans. You can't actually taste what's really going on in there because their beans aren't ripe or there's impurities. There's all kinds of stuff that happens in the coffee world. And Next Coffee, you know, they're all about eliminating that and making sure the stuff that's in your cup is freaking good. Uh, So anyways, they've got this coffee. It's like a 92, 93 cup score. It's so good. Uh, I know the first time I tasted it, I was like, whoa, it wasn't really my style actually the first time I tasted it, but I drank it a couple more times and I'm like, all right, there's something to this. And just that, you know, tasting that Ethiopian sweet lily a couple of years ago literally has changed my whole understanding and knowledge and just the way that I consume coffee because it's next level. And that's what they do over there. They've got a bunch of other things too. They've got I mean, they've got some uh, healthy price tags on some of those coffees, but they've also got coffees with prices that are probably more what you're used to. So whether you're a, you know, everyday coffee consumer and you just like having something, you know, that's uh, quality in your kitchen, in your cup, they've got some for you. They do free shipping. And uh, if you're someone that's like, hey, I want to go above and beyond. In fact, wait, isn't it December? As of right now, it's early December. What a great time to give the gift of coffee to other people. So go blow up their website. It's nextcoffee.com, N-X-X-T-C-O-F-F-E, N-X-X-T, next, C-O, I'm like, how do you spell coffee? C-O-F-F-E-E.com, nextcoffee.com. They're on Instagram too, nextcoffee. But yeah, go blow them up, show some appreciation, try some new stuff. They've got some really crazy cool things. They've also got I think a few rash guards left. I know they had a limited supply of these really cool uh, lion rash guards and some other gear, things like that. So just go check them out. Uh, hey, let's talk about journaling real quick. And it'll be real quick because uh, because it's some shameless self-promotion because the journal is something that I created. And I say I created, but it's kind of weird to say that because really this journal or some people are calling it a workbook or a plan. It's called the level up life journal, right? It's the journal for a great life. I know there's a lot of journal, a lot of things out there. Um, this is something I put together, you know, it takes a team, right? Nothing we do solo. So I actually worked with another guy who was just on the podcast, uh, Brian to like put the design and the look together to give it this particular feel. Uh, I've many mentors, you know, throughout life, but especially in the last seven, eight years who had a profound impact on why I put this thing together the way I did and, uh, you know, the purpose of it. So anyways, whether you're a person that journals or doesn't journal, strongly recommend checking this thing out because it is designed and set up in a way where it's really simple. 
Uh, it's got some instructions in the front. It's like a daily use thing. You can just use it in the morning, you know, five minutes, you know, 10 minutes at the most. Uh, it's really set up so that you don't have to think very hard of it. It's almost like, a, you know, as you read it, you know, subconsciously, you can dive into the little prompts. Um, and it's got some blank pages too, if you want to do some extracurricular work on the notes uh, or reflection section. So it's really for, for anybody. I mean, it's just like a tool in life. It's cool to have really good tools in your tool belt. And I am super, super appreciative of just the love point out and the feedback from people that are like pretty high level coaches that have been using it, uh, sharing it with others. So thanks everybody for doing that. The easiest way to find it right now is on, uh, Amazon, but it really going through the link on my Instagram, because apparently the words level up are pretty popular in the Amazon world. And this thing is still ranking up. In fact, I, uh, for those of you that do have one already, please go leave a review. Super helpful if I got to start asking for reviews, I guess. But you can click the link in my Instagram profile. My Instagram is human, Derek, H-U-M-A-N-D-E-R-E-K. That's the fastest way to find it. There's a link in there straight to Amazon. Um, also working with some private publishers and things to maybe uh, make it accessible a, a different way online. But you can go on, go on Amazon, grab a copy. If you know someone that likes to journal, you know, grab a copy for them. Again, going back to that uh, holiday, the giving spirit. And I just hope you like it. Hope you find it useful. I mean, it really is something that I use uh, daily now and I'm pretty excited. Uh, I, you know, I put it together because I'm like, this is something that I would use that, you know, helps me with my routine and life and, you know, feelings and just being a human, being a better, being the best human I can be, which is a, a part of my quest. And I hope it's part of yours. So, all right, here we go. Let's get into our guest, Mr. Eric. See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. <laughs> it was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Derek Podcast. Sound check. If you want to say check, something, check. looks like you're good. Okay, cool. Well, then we'll just roll right on, <laughs> right into it. Well, nice to have you. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely, man. I can tell you got a lot uh, in the schedule, so the fact that you could carve out some time and swing by is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, stoked. I, I totally just spaced, and I was like, oh yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> I've been doing so many lately. So that's cool. That's uh, I mean, you're like right down the street. So yeah, I might have to hunt you down again for sure. Uh, I'm sure uh, you got a lot to you have a lot to share. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, cool. Well, t- why don't you tell me a little bit about, or just in general? Uh, sure. So, uh, well, firstly, my name is Eric Uresk. I am 42 year old, as much as I hate this term, I'm a life coach, uh, which I despise that term, but it's a term that people understand. <laughs> I, I spent most of my life in the martial arts world as a, as a professional fighter and then as a professional fight coach uh, for some, some of the best athletes. In the sport, and as I, I moved away from from that as a career, got into what I'm doing now, and uh, re- really enjoying it. I, I primarily work with men, but I do work with with some women, and it's uh, it's never in a million years thought I'd be doing what I'm doing now. But as I look at it, it's like it makes perfect sense. Like everything in my life kind of did line up for it to happen in the way that it did. So it's a uh, it's it's pretty cool to look back. Well, it's pretty cool, and it's. Uh we need people to help guide us in life. Yeah. You know, I know it's uh, sometimes things trend for a while and then, you know, probably five, six years ago, if you were a coach, it was a little bit more rare and then kind of like a lot of folks jumped on it and coaching can get a, a bad rap, but if you got the right people around you and the right person that's dedicated to it and uh, they have the right formula, it's just good to get guidance from people or, or feedback, be receptive to that. Yeah. I think, I don't know anything that I'm doing in life. Sure, I can, I can get a lot done, just going out and exploring and seeing what happens on my own. But I can shave a lot of time off the path by gaining and seeking the knowledge of somebody that's that's gone before me. And I'm one of those guys. Like prior to uh, doing what I'm doing now, and and you know on on my on my way up and getting all the training that I got, I did a lot of things. Like I did read all the self help books and and. You know, I was very much interested in growth, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what I did find 
was that the growth was so slow in comparison to actually getting like trained knowledge, mm. trained knowledge through either a system or somebody that understands how to guide someone down a path or, or working with groups of people and having a community of people engaged in a similar, uh, in a similar drive that speeds up the, 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 not only the growth rate, but the way that a person can integrate that into their life. I think, uh, at, at you know, tenfold at least. Yeah, you can take something out of a book and, and run with it, but you're not really having a conversation other than with yourself. And uh, if the conversations with yourselves have a ceiling on them, you know, you're that's how far you're going. Yeah, well, you're having a conversation with the same operating system that created <laughs> the, we'll say, problem in the first place. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes there is a, there can be a lack of perspective if I just do it by myself, right? And I find working with people uh, whether it's a, a one mentor or a group of people, uh, having having the ability to have like to see someone's blind spots because look, it's a blind spot for a reason. I can't see it, and so when somebody can help me see my blind spot and offer me a perspective that I wasn't able to come to on my own, that's really valuable. It's it's hard sometimes for people in general. I mean, I can think of probably many you know good portion of my life I didn't want to hear anything from anybody. Like I was going to sure. do what I was going to do and figure it all out and felt strong and independent. Then you kind of find out this, you know, interdependence thing is pretty powerful. And that when you have good people around you and they want to help, uh, being open to it is, is good stuff. But do you, I mean, do you work with people sometimes where like they just flat out don't want to hear it or your folks pretty? Well, if they spend the type of money that I charge, they're generally pretty, <laughs> pretty ready to uh, to listen to what I have to say. I, have, have I been met with challenge? Sure, right. And part of I think being a skillful coach is being able to to guide somebody through the way that they're challenging you. Like I don't take it personally. When I'm met with challenge, what I recognize is this person's holding is in resistance to letting go of their status quo right? They're, they're in resistance to letting go of the only way that they know how to do things. If you're asking somebody to, to depart from or suspend the only way that they know how to do things, you're, you're actually asking them to completely change their reality. And that's not a small ask. Yeah. That's our identity. It's our that's, identity. Exactly. Especially if we've worked really hard to, to learn that thing mm -hmm. or made it part of our daily. So the ego comes into play. There's this quiz that I use that I love. There's a guy named Ty Lopez. You ever heard of that guy? Mm -mm. So he was, when he first came on the like internet social scene, got a lot of uh, uh, people just you know talking crap about him, just not saying nice things because all of his advertising was, you know, he had all these books in the background and Lamborghinis, and it was like read books, make money, you know, be cool. And he was like a LA club owner that turned in all this personal development stuff. His whole brand has really changed over time. But, uh, he, one of the things I really like is he worked with a psychiatrist. So in psychiatry, there's something called the Hexaco quiz and they use it to measure narcissism. Mm. And he worked with uh, a psychiatrist and a team of people to adapt that to measure very, really variations of ego, things like confidence and cunning. Um, but there's a, a good place, a healthy place for it to be. Then there's a place where you start running into challenges. And I've been using this quiz with friends, family, uh, relationships, right, for probably since like 2019. And I have oh, wow. a whole collection of them. It is wild where you can take a quiz score once you learn how to read it. And you can actually you don't even need to work that hard to figure out, okay, if someone has over this score and you were to have like five of your friends or five people close to you take it, the social problems that you have with them are just problems in general directly related to the quiz score and a lot of it's ego driven wow yeah yeah i mean i would say that most uh relationship dynamics problems that arise are 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 ego driven right it's a uh, when a person is focusing on their needs getting met and often it can be short-sighted about how that interplays with the other person right and one person's needs could be a threat to another person's needs and uh, yeah, and there we go, right? And that that creates all the dynamics that that uh, that we end up dealing with through, throughout the course of our life. We want to feel safe, right? Like yeah. our mentally, psychologically safe. That identity thing, though, like ego and identity tied tied together. So you you were a fighter or are a fighter? Retired uh, now. Retired. Okay. 
uh, how, how long, when did you fight? Fought professionally from 2006, I want to say to 2016. Wow. Um, and yeah, it was just a, a natural, I mean, fighting was my life even before I started fighting. I was, I was, uh, pretty heavily in, in the street, uh, growing up. I grew up in Long Island, New York. And, uh, as an adolescent was just involved in a lot of crime, a lot of violence, a lot of, uh, a lot of drugs and, and, and all that fun stuff. And so, yeah, fighting was just, just a part of my life and I wanted to get more skill at that. And so I started getting actual formal training and, uh, it actually be, ended up being the thing that took me out of the streets was that I realized like, hmm, I'm either going to die in the street, uh, I like get shot or overdose or, or I'm going to do this. And so I decided to do that. Yeah, that's cool. I'm like sitting here getting, yeah. getting goosebumps. There yeah. was a, a point in my life where I really thought going to prison, you know, wasn't a big deal. Like that's where you go to network or maybe I'll learn like a good sleep routine and hit yeah. the weights. Like that was the actual, I like to use the word operating system, but that was a framework for thinking. And, uh, at some point you get the decision to, to make that change. What, what really was there an event or anything that happened that just you wanted to change? I mean, was there one cataclysmic event? I don't, I don't think so. It was a, it was a series of, I mean, I was homeless at 17 and I didn't get sober when I was 17. I got sober when I was 23, but my life wasn't working and it wasn't working for a long time. And I would make numerous attempts to get sober and I couldn't. And each time I'd fall back into the street, like I knew I had capabilities. I knew I had natural gifts towards sports, uh, natural gifts towards, uh, communication, even writing at the time. Like I had, I had some gifts and, and I, I just didn't know how to pull them out of myself. Like school and the way that we go to school here just didn't work for me. I was just constantly in trouble. I barely went, I stopped doing homework in the fourth grade. So like that way, the traditional way of doing things just didn't work for me. And so just a series, just, I was in just so much pain for so long, I think is the easiest way to do it. And I knew that I had, I had more in me. Had I not thought that I had anything like worth living for, I don't, I probably wouldn't have made it out of that, but I definitely felt like I had something worth living for. And so, yeah, I think just years and years and years of trying and failing, trying and failing, I just got done. Like I just got done. I was like, I can't do this anymore. How old are you right now? Uh, 42. 42. Holy shit. That's, uh, 23 was the time in my life where I decided to quit the selling the drugs and everything. And I, I, you got me thinking, you know, people ask what happened. That's why I immediately thought, you know, like, was there an event for me? It was kind of similar. It was like, everything was just boiling up. But I remember it might've been the first time I had a, a thought. Some people will say, Hey, that was God speaking to you. Some people will say your prefrontal cortex finally developed, right? There's probably many different ways to look at it, but I had this vision of like someday it would be cool to have a family and like live in a house. And the idea was just that it seemed very peaceful. Mm. And I realized my whole life since, well, maybe not whole life, but at least since I was 10, 11, 12, right around there, I was almost as a, as a young kind of preteen there for a little bit too. Uh, there had always been this sense of like danger living below the law and if you're operating like that, you have that feeling 24 seven. And I just realized I'm like, Oh, like that feeling doesn't have to be there. I can, can actually probably do something differently. Mm -hmm. And I started asking myself like, what does a quote unquote normal of life look like? Now I think normal is kind of silly, but that was my, my starting point for sure. that. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I would look, I remember like, you know, you stay awake for a few days and you start looking at people going to work and you're like, it's, it's like <laughs> those are the normal people, right? And they're mm -hmm. getting up and going to a job and you're like, how do they do that? How do they just get up and go to this job? And then they do it every day mm -hmm. and they just show up for their responsibilities. That baffled my mind. I didn't think that was possible for me. Yeah. They pay car insurance and they, they do all these things and like, wow, that's uh that seems, that seemed very lofty to me at the time. I just <laughs> was like, how do I stop? doing drugs and robbing people. That was, if I could yeah. do that, then my life would be okay. And then I did that and my life was very far from okay. Like I was in serious pain, uh, getting sober for a long time because that was, it took away my bandaid, you know, and drugs and alcohol kept me afloat for a long time. And 
when it got taken away, I didn't know what to do with it. And I was just left with this, this mess, the mess that I was probably running from the whole time. And yeah, it was a long cleanup period. That's for sure. You have to sit there and stare at it. And then you've got the Oof. thoughts and the like the thoughts that used to be buried with everything. Yeah. 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 And you know, 12 step programs definitely save my life, but they don't deal with that part of it. And, uh, and so, yeah, just sober, not doing drugs and alcohol. Life is getting better in some, some measurable ways simply by not engaging in the behaviors that I'm engaging in. And also I'm just in pain all the time, you know, even as the circumstances of life get better, which I think is why I'm so passionate about what I do now for, for work is because most of my clients are actually pretty well off financially and they find themselves unsatisfied with life. And it's, I mean, you know, you hear it all the time, right? But money doesn't make you happy. And sure, all that's, I, I found all that to be true, right? But then we look at the way that we spend our time, right? We look at most people spend their time chasing certain things that once this box is checked, then I'll be X, Y, Z, right? And so um, it's no different for the person that has nothing uh, than the person that has everything. They're thinking that, well, the next thing is going to bring me this, right? And that's not to say that money is not important because when you can't meet your basic needs or you don't know how you're going to meet your basic needs and the stress that a person lives uh, under when they're in states of poverty or lack, uh, is, yeah, it's not anything to be, uh, uh, it's not anything to shoot for in life, that's for sure. And it's not anything to just sweep under the rug. Like it's a real thing, you know, and that stress is high and uh, people are living in survival, right? But I've also met people living in survival that have millions of dollars. Yeah. Now, when you say that with people with millions of dollars, do you mean because of poor financial habits or just just they just constantly living in fear? What do you mean by that? Well, yeah. So definitely living in fear. Oftentimes when a person has a pursuit of something with all their energy and focus, a lot of other things can get left to the wayside, right? Uh, relationships with others and themselves uh, being, being the main thing. Right. Sometimes it's their health. Sometimes it's, uh, it, it could be, it could be a bunch of different things. Right. Um, at a certain point in time, I find generally in like the mid to late thirties, early forties, people's nervous systems, what they can handle and cover up by doing things starts to run out <laughs> and the shit starts to come up. Now I don't have a perfect predictor of when this happens. I've just noticed mid thirties to early forties seems to be a, a common theme. Things start to come up and they're like, why am I unhappy? Why am I sad? Why do I feel lonely? Hmm. Why do I feel stuck in my life? Why is everything so unsatisfactory? Hmm. We got to start asking some questions at that point. And, and yeah, it's uh so that's what I mean. And, and there's like a ton of it. And so rather than feel and deal with those questions, it's easier to engage in avoidant behavior, distracted behavior. Work more. Work spend more. more. time at the gym. Make more money. Get, get in better shape. Yeah. Get a different girlfriend. Get a hotter girlfriend. All, right. All those things. Get a new house. Go on a, be go on a different trip. Yeah. That, you know, being in the dating realm for a bit there, the idea of like uh, – people loving vacations. Like it's cool to travel, but going back to the identity thing, it seems like, uh, you know, what I found when people really just, not everybody, but for the most part, the, this theme of, I like to go on trips. I like to travel. It, it always to me seemed like escapism. I shouldn't say always, but for the most part, there is a heavy uh, dose of that. And it's like, I, and I started telling people a lot. I like, I love like my rhythm of life right now, mm -hmm. like what I'm doing you know, sitting down and doing this, I freaking love that. Right. Like, I would love to do this every single day. Um, yeah. We, do you think that's a cultural thing or is it unique to the U.S.? So I, I lived in Thailand for five years. Okay. And I lived on a street called Soi Taied, and it's in Phuket. It's about a mile-long street filled with uh, fight gyms, uh, CrossFit gyms, health restaurants, massage places, everything you need. It's like... 
a giant day camp for adults, right? People go there on like fitness holidays and shit like that. And people are coming there from all over the world. And over the course of five years, you get to know people, you get to hear their stories, you get to notice patterns, see your own patterns. And there's absolutely elements of travel where you can, where they can be about discovery and discovering more about yourself when you're put, when you're taken out of your normal routine and put into a different uh, set of circumstances and having to make new friends and do, do things like that and figure some new things out. Yeah. It's absolutely a time that, that can, you can discover a lot about yourself by removing yourself from the normal stimulus of your life. And also I would say largely there was a lot of escapism, hmm. a lot of escapism. There's a lot of, uh, if you go on the internet world, I haven't spent much time in Thailand, any time in Thailand, but there's a, like, it's a very sexual place for tourism, or I guess you could say that. Yeah. All that, all that. Yeah. yeah. All that stuff, you know, like, mm. yeah. Travel provides an opportunity to, to do all those things, to, to be who maybe you want to be that you feel like you can't be in your normal, normal day. And there's nothing wrong with that per se. I think sometimes there could be a healthy amount of escapism that goes on too. It's just, it's recognizing, you know, when, when it's too much or, you know, when is it starting to hurt my life? Why do you think we're here? <laughs> Why do I think we're here? So man, I had a mentor one time and he said, none of this means anything. He said, the meaning it has is the meaning that you give it. Hmm. So, and maybe that I, I, and you know, and I, as I sit and think about that, you and I could have a conversation or, or you and I could experience anything. Like, let's say we walk outside and uh, and we witness a car crash, okay? I could maybe be like deeply affected by it and like something could be really disturbed with me and you go out there and you're like, oh, it's a car crash. And we were standing like, like literally right next to each other. We saw the same exact thing from from the same visual perspective and we had a very different experience of it. Well, why did we have a different experience of it? Because it meant something different to both of us based off of our life's filter, right? Our experiences, our values, all that stuff. Who's right? Who's wrong? I, I, I would argue that neither of us are right or wrong, right? We both had an experience and that experience is completely neutral. I would venture to say that, yeah, I think our experiences here are neutral. I would say that how I feel or how even anybody feels about anything is not based off one single fact that hmm. you could feel a way about a fact. The sky is blue. I like the color blue, right? The sky is blue. I fucking hate the color blue. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no one's right or wrong. And you could change from day to day. And you could on change your mood day to day. Yeah. Or your input. Yeah. So, I mean, and like, I could go like probably down a rabbit hole of like, you know, different layers of consciousness, but I think at this layer of consciousness that most of us are sitting at, um, yeah, I'm not sure that there's an actual point to this other than it's here to be experienced just because it is. It's like Alan Watts kind of puts it. It's like he refers to people looking at life as a journey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you get to the thing, then it's there, right? Life is a journey. And he would look at it more like a dance or a piece of music. So when you're dancing, the point isn't to get done dancing as fast as possible. It's to enjoy the act of dancing or to enjoy the song, right? When your favorite song comes on, you don't fast forward it to get get through the song as fast as possible, right? You enjoy the song. It's to be experienced, <laughs> right? We don't, and so, yeah, I, I my current understanding, I, I kind of lean towards that. I have a friend of mine, uh, we just did a podcast, he's a, a physicist, and he sent me something because we were talking about he loves music, and I've been diving into like quantum physics and quantum mechanics, which a lot of it's just like, whoa, yeah. you know, trying to pick up on it. Uh, but there, a little video he sent me was talking about how basically the vibration of the energy, the molecules, like everything that exists around us. Uh, legitimately looks like a song or mm. music and like everything is playing its own little tune, which is just like, I'm still trying to wrap That's my head pretty wild. It, but it is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Do you think we get just one shot at this thing? I don't think so. Huh. Yeah. I don't think so. 
I'm, I'm reading this book. Actually, I just finished a book called Many Lives, Many Masters that someone recommended to me. And a lot of it seemed like it just made sense to me. You mm-hmm. know, there's another in the second part of it or a different one that he wrote I'm partway through. Uh, it says, you know, really it says the purpose of being here is to love and to learn. Mm-hmm. And the, the concept is uh, basically the body is a container. Uh, we have a soul. It's immortal or indestructible. And you get to live these lifetimes. We make some sort of a social contract. And I think that ties to Buddhism and probably yeah. many other things. Um, but it it's basically, while well, you're here, you're supposed to do the work mm-hmm. to learn as much as possible. But the second part of that is to teach and help others too. And the more I I think about that and look around, it it makes me wonder, you know, does everybody here have a gift? And as part of that, to figure out what that is to be able to give and teach and, and help others. Yeah, I think I I uh my current understanding would probably be something very similar to that. Yeah, I think I think everybody does have a gift. I think everybody does have a a genius about them or a way of seeing or doing things. Uh sometimes it's covered up with a lot of pain or sometimes it's just covered up they haven't had, you know, whatever the right circumstances or surroundings to get acquainted with what their gift is or judgment keeps them from exploring that gift or they feel like it's too small or it's not worth anything. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a very get stuff done type of person. Uh, my life hasn't been easy, but it's always been easy for me to be good at things. And then you know, I come across people that they're not necessarily good at anything, but they're amazingly supportive naturally, right? I'm not amazingly supportive naturally. I like to be the guy that gets the stuff done, but I oftentimes will require support to do that, Mm. right? So one isn't any less important than the other. Uh, I think that the value that we attach to it, the judgment that we attach to it can keep people from and these people actually do enjoy doing the thing, right? They enjoy, they enjoy that supportive role. It makes no sense to me. I get no joy out of that type of supportive uh, role character, uh, but they do, and it feels good to them. I think on a natural level, but oftentimes because it's not like the highlight, it's not Instagrammable for some reason. They'll, they'll kind of devalue that as unimportant. Hmm. You know? Yeah, there's there's like two two components there. I I feel like I used to love to help and I still do love to help, but then you can you know, one of my mentors taught me, he said, uh, give while it feels good, but not until it hurts. Yeah. And so there have been many times where I'm like, Oh man, I didn't need to help that way and I probably didn't help in the long run, right? right. It was like a short term fix for somebody. Uh but then you have going back to that idea of independence. You know, I've got someone that um, I'm working with, really one of my, my nephews. <laughs> I'm like, I think might be out there now. But uh, he's he's so, like, strong-minded and independent. And he's been hanging around a lot of my friends, which are just, like, they're just, I just my guys are cool. Like, I love the guys I'm around. They're, you know, uh, very just good people. Like, they want to see people succeed. And so we've all kind of been nudging them, like, hey, it's okay to get help, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I realized, like, I didn't want a lot of help growing up because the people around me, if they did give me something, there was always an expectation to pay it back. Right. And you, you know, we get wired at whatever point sure. in our life to operate a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. So when I say support, like, my whole life is service now. Like, my life, yeah. live a life of service. I, but I'm also, I like being in the spotlight. I like being a content creator. I like having my ideas out in front. There's people that don't do that, but they can support me to do that. Mm. Right. Uh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like we were talking about video before this, yeah. like someone to come do the video, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I, have, I don't know how to shoot a fucking video. I have yeah. no desire to understand <laughs> how to do that, but I need somebody. I'm glad somebody does exist that can do that. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think everybody's got something, some way to contribute value to the world and to be an asset. And I think it's important to have people that help people uncover that, right? Whatever it is, whatever your thing is, where where you can add value to the world. I think it's, uh, and you know, oftentimes our not always, not always perfectly, but I think our value, the value we put into the world is often reflected back to us. Right. Sometimes it's by like money. I'm... Sometimes it's you know. It's, uh, yeah, I I think 
it's not a perfect system, but if you are valuable regularly, I think it gets returned to you monetarily or otherwise. I think whatever you put your energy into builds that value, right? If Absolutely. You, you know, love plants and you're just all day learning and spending on plants, your value is to help other people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I just bought a plant. I don't know how to keep this thing from dying. <laughs> Please teach me how to do that. Right. And yeah. like, yeah, that's a, that's a valuable thing. I like plants, but I don't want to learn. <laughs> I, don't, I have no desire. Yeah. I have no desire to learn all the ins and outs. Life. Yeah. It's a very limited amount of time here. I can't learn all the ins and outs of everything. I don't have the desire to. Mm. Right. I can focus on like four things that I'm really, really passionate about. And that's all I really care care to uh to spend my time with in this this life. You seem like someone who's pretty specific and you said four things. Yeah. Is that the magic number? Well, no, I think <laughs> I think I'm speaking for me personally. So like yeah. anything personal growth, like I could talk about that shit all day. Right. Jiu-jitsu martial arts, I go into full autism mode with with that all day. <laughs> Coffee. I could talk about coffee. I will harass baristas all day to talk about the specifics of different coffees and how they were growing out the espresso yeah, cup. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I was surprised. You're like yeah. the first person to be like, no, I'm already caffeinated. I, I'm already probably lit. Yeah. Particularly. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just drank too much coffee today. And I, uh, if I drank too much coffee, I can't be, I'm a little jittery. Yeah. I get intense. I yeah. get like, I can tell, like, I definitely have a cap. Yeah. 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 Two cups a day for me is, is it. Okay. Yeah. And I, I drink very strong coffee. So huh. it's, uh, yeah, two cups is, is more than enough for me, uh, my old nervous system. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, personal growth, uh, jujitsu, coffee, or MMA. Yeah, that's pretty much it, dude. Okay. Yeah. Man, now you've you mentioned pain a couple times, and, you know, I, I really feel like uh, the way that I grew up, like I didn't realize that was all pain, like anger's masking fear and all that stuff took me a bit to figure it out. Then you figure it out, but then you still have to heal it, right? How uh, how do you either work with people or if you want to share how you heal? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot there's a lot that goes on, I, I think, in a healing process. And I don't want to say it, it can be different for a lot of people. For, for me personally, it was a first I have to become aware. Okay. And aware of the pain, aware of how I'm relating to certain aspects of my life that creates the pain. So it's not, it's, it's never the event that happens. It's how I relate to the event or the meaning that I gave the event. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for some people, the first step is discovering the event. This thing created this. Okay. And that's great. It's a, it's a necessary first step oftentimes then it's how am I relating to this event? It's the how part that creates the dysfunction that we want to look at. Uh, the why is is much less so important. Hmm. Yeah, and you can, the reframing of it, you know. Uh, I feel like I talk to people about that a lot, just giving them perspective. You know, they're like, oh, I X, Y, Z. Like one of the things for me that I reframed was I missed a ton of school growing up. I mm -hmm. know barely graduated high school kind of think it's just like oh, here just let this kid graduate and one of my phases in life i was hanging around with these guys that you know went to berkeley law i'm just super educated i i was trying to say tinfoil which i still uh struggle like t-e-n versus t-i-n and they're like what did you say you mean this i'm like that sounds like that to me right just like a lack of right. education and uh and i let it beat me up for a little bit and then you know, I'm like, it's not a helpful story. What do I what do I do with that story? And I started just asking questions, figuring it out. What I realized, what I've really come to appreciate about missing a ton of school is that I, I feel like I didn't get programmed a certain way. Like it mm. actually allowed me to uh, be more of a, a curious free thinker because I had to figure some things out on my sure. own. And so it's like this thing that I felt ashamed of at one point um, actually became a bit of a superpower. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes life experience can help us reframe. Sometimes it's helpful to get some guidance with that. Sometimes some of this stuff can be so deep rooted, and getting person to a place of safety with uh, a particular story or memory or or programming that they have before they can actually access it at a deep level is is really important. So, like 
getting people to be safe to explore the thing, to look at it. Because again, if this thing, if this memory, if this programming is core to their identity, and I just go in there and think I'm going to yank it out uh, with with very little thought about what what that implies for the rest of their reality, that's kind of careless and it's irresponsible, right? And so... I mean, think of like a, for some reason that like this image of a Star Wars droid popped up in my head and you're like trying to pull out their circuitry and they're like, no, I need Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that's the thing is like, none of this is bad or wrong. It may not work. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's bad or wrong. And so supporting a person to create a relationship with whatever it is they're creating a relationship with that works, whether, you know, a story, a memory, et cetera. Um, and as they're able to do that on a regular basis, right? So first we create, we learn, we create the awareness, then we practice. And that's it. It's a practice. It's not a wand waving magic thing that happens usually where the person I will never, now from this moment forth, I see this thing differently. (laughs) I find personally these white light experiences are much more an exception and a rarity than a rule. Mm. I think it happens over time with practice. We practice being the new, this new version of ourselves. And then it starts to feel, it can start to feel normal. You know, there would be a time in my life where I would come to this podcast and my sole focus was getting you to think I was as interesting as possible. Right. (laughs) And I would be so focused on coming off interesting and like really just being super self-obsessed. Right. And I needed it to come out a certain way. And, and, and so when I look back, what is that about? Well, I had programming that in order for me to get my needs met, I had to be the best, the most interesting. Hmm. Right. And if that didn't happen, I would be ignored and my needs wouldn't get met. And so subconsciously, I'm coming in here and all I can think about was how good I sound hmm. and be very impressed with myself and have no idea how that was coming off to the people that I'm interacting with on a regular basis, right? And then I start to discover, well, how do I feel when I'm around somebody that's self-focused and doesn't give a fuck and unimpressed with anything that I do and doesn't doesn't have any interest in adding me to the experience with them? Well, I feel like shit. And then I realize, well, I do that every day to everybody. Wow. That, uh, that's pretty powerful. That, you know, that fear of public speaking that people have. Uh, I feel like, uh, I like really had a big fear of that. And a mentor said, remove self and be on purpose. Mm-hmm. Cause I was going into this talk and he was like, dude, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, cause I was like, oh, what if I make a mistake and I hope this sounds good. And I knew the material was good and I put in the work and I wanted other people to like it. But my thought pattern was so focused on me, 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 mm-hmm. me. And as soon as I shifted that to like, okay, that energy is normal. It's about them though. Like I really, uh, like I'm just the vessel for the information, like the nerves just, just, you know, didn't totally go away, but it went to, it just felt way better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I had a, a mentor say something similar, right? They're like, instead of trying to be interesting, why don't you be interested? Mm. And if you think about it, you go in a room with a bunch of powerful people. The guy that's going to be the most influential in there is the guy that's going to be the most interested in the other people. Because there's something that happens when somebody is genuinely interested in you. If I can give you my genuine interest, it feels so good. Well, there's a form of being seen that happens, right? And I believe all of us, regardless of what we say, have a, craving desire to be seen in some way. Now that sometimes that gets masked by traumas and stuff like that, but I believe it's an innate desire that humans have is to be seen, heard, valued. Hmm. Right? So you can you would maybe take my interest as being seen and valued. Hmm. That feels good. You're going to remember that. When somebody remembers your name that you thought maybe wouldn't remember your name. Right? That guy remembered my name. I can't believe that guy remembered who I am. Right? That feels good. It's influential. Yeah, right. so, I'll tell yeah. you from sitting down with you right away, I was like, this guy's a cool guy. <laughs> right away, I was like, nice. So, yeah, you are pretty interesting, by the way. Thanks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And 
you know, can people be disingenuous and do that? Absolutely. And I'm sure that they do. I'm sure it's a, it's a we could take any of the stuff that I've learned to heal people and I can use it mm-hmm. for evil. For sure. Yes. I could talk people into doing some fucking wild things. I could definitely manipulate people into doing some stuff if that's what I chose to do. Um, yeah, once you learn that you have a skill, like you have to decide whether to use it for for good or bad or good or evil. There's this author, Robert Green, mm-hmm. that people love his books. And I, I haven't, I can't give a full, you know, I've read pieces, but I started reading one of it and it felt so manipulative, one of his books. And I went, man, I can't, I was having a hard time digesting it. But yeah. then I, I kind of convinced myself, well, maybe I should read it because it'll make me more aware of other people using mm-hmm. this stuff. Um, but it's, it's wild. And I, d- I ended up uh, around 23 and I was trying to get my life together. I decided to go to community college and like figure all that stuff out. And I was trying to avoid the whole public speaking thing. And I was in a group communication class and we did this fishbowl exercise where the gist of it was like you and your group are on the moon and there's the fish, they call it a fishbowl because people are observing you on the outside and you're given a list and you have to rank the items. And uh, at that point I felt pretty skilled and like listening to people, asking questions, kind of like playing the room, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we didn't know what the purpose of it was other than rank the items. And if you rank them the right way, you guys all agree, you know, you don't die, you survive. Well, I just really played the room, got the shy guy in the corner to get involved, asked this person a question. Like everything seemed very, very intelligently done. But the underlying thing was like, I was just trying to be right. Right. And I was trying to like win the whatever and be the guy well there was another girl who uh was a little more aggressive not as good at playing the room like no i think it's this i think it's that but people didn't like hearing from her uh because she wasn't doing as you know smoothly as me in a social setting so everybody ended up voting kind of essentially with the list that i got everybody to collaborate on and we died wow Uh, yeah we were she was way right i was super wrong but it taught me like well why did i do that you know, it wasn't the, it felt right, but it was really just me focusing on winning versus, uh, and trying to be right. Like, oh, I was so positive. Like that was the way to, to rank them. But I really small exercise, you know, I don't know what everybody sure. else got out of it, but I've carried that with me for like 14 years to be super wow. aware of. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, right? The things that just stick with us Yeah, for a time. That's uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Speaking of time, how are you doing on time? I know Let's you've got... See. Oh, I've got a good 15 minutes. Cool. Well, what else? You got some uh, other things that you just, you felt compelled to? Yeah. So I'm uh, currently working on bringing some live events. I actually had my first live event yesterday here in San Diego. Uh, just really bringing some like very basic level personal growth stuff to uh, to people live in San Diego. So we did uh, did one down at the Cava Collective uh, just down on University in Hillcrest. And brought a group of people in and went through two hours with them. And it was really just to turn some lights on. I think investing in yourself is so important. And there was a time in my life where I, if you asked me to invest 300 bucks in myself, my, my heart would seize because hmm. I would just be in so much scarcity. And it's like, now, nah, dude, I invest tens of thousands of dollars into myself and my, my business and all that stuff because I see the value in it. Right. And so I wanted to give people a taste of what it's like to just invest your time into yourself and and with a group of people and see what the feedback is. So that, that's really important to me to give people just a base level of understanding what's perhaps out there uh, in, in, in their investing in their own growth and also just creating community, like posing questions that lead to conversations that go deeper than the surface level. You know, uh, there's so many people back to our, our, our early conversation that have gifts and they don't know how to bring them to the world. And they're often stopped by their own limiting beliefs. And a lot of times they're not even conscious of the limiting belief or if they are, they're conscious of it at a very surface level. And so if we can have those conversations more regularly and there's more support to bring people through the limiting beliefs that they have to create the things that are important to them, Man, that's a that's a huge impact that you can have on the world, right? I think that's a that's a really cool thing. I'm I'm so so fucking passionate about getting people to bet on themselves and take risks. Cuz it's been my my entire life has been taking risks and just listen I've as crazy as my life has been, I've always had this this inner knowing. Like an inner knowing that and I just trusted it. 
and moving across the country, moving across the world, that lived all over the place, gone places very, very what we'd call irresponsibly, but just figured it out. You know, mm-hmm. figured it out. Very little planning, uh, and not that you don't need planning, right? There's, there's certain things that yeah, it's pre- preparation is great. But there's also a value to just knowing something inside of you. I mean, like, I need to do this. I need to go there. I need to learn from this person. And following that and seeing where it takes you, right? It's like there's a there's a real beauty to having, having like, yeah, the, the discipline to plan and get something done and also the ability to just let life surprise you, hmm. right? I think both – if we did one or the other, like, to an extreme, it wouldn't work. Like, you can't just – not plan anything and go with the flow, right? And you can get into like the masculine and feminine energies and stuff like that. I, I, I think that stuff's all valid. Like it's great to have creative flow and energy, but you got to direct that energy somewhere. Usually that's going to take discipline and some discipline and structure to direct it somewhere. Um, so I'm, I'm really, really passionate about that, you know, and, and like showing people, you know, how, how to do both. How to do both, how to get the most out of both, how to fucking bet on yourself and like have have an exciting life because of that. You know? Like I don't know anybody that has an exciting life that doesn't take risks and bet on themselves. You're speaking to my soul right now in like a lot of ways here. Yeah. It's uh you know, when you get into you were talking earlier about people who, you know, making multi millions or a millionaire you can chase money and you can almost become robotic because it's routine, 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 rigid, rigid, routine. And is it moving you in the direction of what you're focused on? A thousand percent, right? We get, we receive back from what we put energy mm-hmm. into, but what are you missing along the way of those life experiences, that joy? Are you, are you married by any chance? Or I am. You are? How long have you been married? Four years. Wow. That's, well, congratulations. Thanks. By the way, it's awesome. I, uh, what do you, I mean, what are your thoughts on, I know we're running on time, but what do you think about just love in general with all of that? Well, man, uh, I said this not too long ago, but I think my wife and being married to my wife has been the most transformative uh, event of my life. And I, man, I've had lots of them. I mean, near death experiences and all kinds of crazy stuff, but being married, the simple act of being married has been, so both of my wife and I come from a lot of pain, different Right, she's from Singapore and grew up in a Muslim family and heavily, you know, religious restrictions around sex and sexuality and stuff like that. And she's a bisexual, married to a fucking white non-Muslim. <laughs> so there was some uh, there was some contention, you know, uh, yeah. around some of that. <laughs> and yeah, and she, you know, she's had her own growth. And my wife is basically the the other side of the coin to what I do. Like we're both uh, coaches and we both work in this work and we work with people together and. Um, so it's being in a relationship with somebody who she matches my level of work on myself. Mm. And so it's fucking intense sometimes because we're both just in it all the time, just yeah. work. Uh, and it's not, sometimes there's like this weird thing of just constantly looking, you know, beyond, 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 but it's, it's where am I not free and where do I have room to grow? And, um, so to answer your question about love, I think, my hippie answer is that love just exists and that the only reason I can't experience it is because of the uh, the barriers that I've put out there for myself, right? So my judgments and the limitating factors that I put on things through my mind keep me from experiencing that love. Now, love in the actual sense of being in a relationship, it is a commitment to another person to take care of me so that I can take care of us. Hmm. If I can't take care of me first, I, there's no way I can be a participant in a relationship. Um, and I do believe in the the very real differences in masculine and feminine energies, and I think that we all need to to have a relationship with both of them. But I would say I definitely am much more of a masculine presence. My wife is very, very feminine, and my role in that relationship is largely. Uh, To kind of like, I'm this, this, I, to be the rock and she's the creative flow. And not that we don't, we can't dance back and forth, right? But I also, I kind of lead the charge in, um, I'm okay pointing out things like areas where we need to grow and I'm okay upsetting her. 
if that has to happen. <laughs> Not in a mean way, yeah. but I can take your storm because I believe this is what's best for us, mm. right? And so she's always trusted my lead. We've moved across, we've moved all over the place, done some pretty, just this is what I think is what we have to do, right? And she trusts my lead to go do that. Um, and we're committed to each other and we do, we take a responsibility for what each, the pain that each of us hold that we bring into the relationship. And as time goes by, we do a better job of not directing that pain at each other. Man, that's really powerful. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I said this to a, to a client today who's doing a fantastic job and he's stepping into some new, new realms of his relationship. And uh, some of it's scary. And I said, Hey dude, you know what? Being in a, strong relationship requires courage. That's mm. why there's so few of them because a lot of people don't have courage in their relationship. They're afraid to go certain places because they don't want the reaction from their partner. They're afraid to have their partner be upset. They're afraid to get into arguments. And I was like, me and my wife do not do things perfectly. And even though we're coaches and we help people with their relationships and we have tools, we don't use them perfectly all the time. That's fucking crazy to think that we do. But the thing that I'm most proud of is the courage that we both bring into the relationship to look at our own shit and to go through the, the scary things within ourselves. So, and then we're able to meet back in the middle, you know, and bring that from there. Was it like that when you first met? Like you two just realized we can communicate, we could... Fuck no. No, no, no. <laughs> hell, hell no. no. So, well, okay. so we both... <laughs> I When I met my wife, the first time I met my wife, she had come to Phuket with her boyfriend uh, to the, to the gym that I was working at. Right. (laughs) So I thought she was hot. So I beat up her boyfriend in jujitsu class. (laughs) Right. Uh, Uh, It it was not, not like I didn't assault him. I just beat him up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let me Uh, show you a few things. Yeah. Um, He was taking the class. I was like, let me roll with this clown. uh, (laughs) Guys, don't take your girl to jujitsu class. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So this is like 2015. Uh, and then she comes back two years later alone. So uh, I think I probably slid in her DMs and asked her. I said I saw her on the street. Like, and we, we had kept in touch a little bit. And um, so we end up going out and we end up hooking up. And then I asked, hey, are you still with – this is like after the fact. I'm like, And she's like, yeah. And like I really didn't care so much about that at the time. But I'm like – I just asked her some questions to get honest. I'm like, do you really – it doesn't seem like you really want to be in a relationship with this guy. Like have, are you being honest with yourself? And she was willing to start being honest with herself. Wow. And like, we just, and I was like, not in a position. I was like, look, I'm not ready to be in a relationship. I'm still going to see other women. Like I was very upfront. And, um, but we kept that honesty and upfrontness and we just kept being willing to do that. How, so I know we're running short on time. So let me know if, okay. The, uh, you know, when I think about relationships and, and sleeping together, sex, like the physical intimacy, especially when it's tied to pain and everything, you know, a lot of people carry, we all have this uh, like element of trust. Like how do you build trust off of a starting point like that? I think to build trust is going to require risk. Mm. Okay. So there's no way I could go from trust to no trust without any risk. Right. So I'll be like, Derek, here's a hundred bucks. Pay me back <laughs> when at this time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Derek pays me back two weeks time on the dot. Cool. Okay. Derek comes back to me. Hey dude, I need a hundred bucks. I mean, or I need 500 bucks. Mm, a little riskier than a hundred, but okay, here you go. Okay. So maybe an over oversimplification, but it's our willing, it's like, any relationship, the strength of it is his willingness to repair, hmm. which it can't just be one of us that's willing to repair, yeah. right? We have to have a co-willingness to repair. Uh, and it's not always at the same level, but yeah, there has to be a general willingness to repair on both sides. And because we're willing to repair on both sides, like, and we've done that over and over and over again, we have built that trust that we can handle these difficult things, hmm. you know? And yeah, and, and then, and just- each of us taking more and more ownership over that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good analogy in terms of it is trust can be like a bank account. Like yeah. you're just depositing, depositing, you yeah. take a little bit out, but you want to keep it, keep it full. And there's, you know, going into that fear and courage thing, man, I've, I've had like the whole love and fear thing on my mind a lot lately. And you, 
you know, that could be a fear point, especially for, for men or for women in terms of what if this person isn't willing? Like, what if I say this thing and they're not willing, right? Uh huh. So, yeah. So then it's like the fear is what does that mean about me that they're not willing to do this? And all the stories and limitations that we have around love. If they're not willing to do this for me, it must mean that there's something wrong with me. Huh. Rejection, right? They're yeah, that's rejected. the rejection, right? Yeah. And we take rejection as a as an absolute, as opposed to just a singular event, hmm. right? The rejection says something about my inherent worthiness as opposed to this person just wasn't willing to do that with me. Hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I generally find that people with trust issues don't trust themselves. Hmm. Ultimately, what it comes down to is they don't trust that they'll be uh, able to deal with the hurt that comes from having their trust broken. Wow. Yeah. That's... Yeah. So generally, I'm not one. You ever see, like sometimes I think this is one of the lamest things on earth, right? But people that like constantly post on social media about like loyalty and trust and like how they're always getting, <laughs> you know, no new friends and 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 like mm. they're talking about betrayal all the time. I'm like, that fucking, I don't, maybe I'm just good at fucking picking people to be around, but that shit doesn't happen to me. And also, I don't, I'm not necessarily going to be devastated if somebody breaks my trust. Uh, and, and I mean, there's certain things that I, if it was a close friend and they like tried to take a pass at my wife, I mean, yeah, there's different levels of things, but I'm not constantly walking around thinking about trust and loyalty. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, man. Yeah. Like uh, just seeing that is, I almost feel like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. hundred percent. What are they doing? Why are they thinking about it so much? Was it a, did they do something that made them think about that? Was it one person? Like I go around and this, this switched for me a lot over the last however many years where, uh, I think I was, I know for a fact, I was very guarded for a long time mm -hmm. and then I start opening it up and it's like, I, I now feel like I start off with trust with everybody. I mean, there's a difference. Like I just met you, like you know, would I give you my pin number versus here's my social, like, right. I don't know, whatever. Right. But you, you, if you give that trust and then let them decide to do with it, it's way easier than worrying about, do I trust this person? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think, I think boundaries are healthy, but I don't think boundaries are like places I want to live in because mm -hmm. it becomes like a self-imposed prison. It's harder. Just way more energy yeah, to be dude. like, oh. Yeah. It's it could be like people that have a fucking boundary for everything. I'm like, cool. I just don't want to need to be around because it's like it's just that's just not a dynamic that I wanna I wanna live in. Like if a boundary needs to be made because a person's unaware or or I need to let a person know about something, there's nothing wrong with that. It's very healthy. But people, it's like if somebody's just overly concerned with their boundaries and like need consent for every little thing, I'm like, cool, bro. Like. <laughs> or or girl do mm -hmm. you but like yeah that's i i want to be in the natural flow of a relationship not just fucking having like like walls to bump into constantly that that doesn't feel good there's nothing relaxed or loose about that it's not real it's more tension it's, ah, more, it's so tense or dude. The games yeah people play. well that person's focused more on what they don't want than what they want mm. a lot of times I, I i feel that's cool right and yeah there may be times where we need to do that i just don't want to live in that yeah, it's it's like it's a restrictive for me. It feels restrictive, and I'm just I I, I like the feeling of free looseness. You know, that, like free flowing feels feels like a better way to live life for me. Yeah. Uh, last thing, probably because sure. I know we're uh, unless you want to. No, going. yeah, we could ask one more question. Okay. Uh, what's uh, what's hot with you in the MMA, jujitsu, fighting world? So I'm big on I'm like obsessed with guard passing. So like I've been really, really, really getting into some some cool passing stuff. I actually tore my meniscus like a month and a half or two months ago hmm. and it flipped over, but then it flipped back into place. And so I can't be as uh, at least currently like as athletic and like as I as I normally would like to be. So I've had to kind of been started working some a little bit more like like pressure type passing and and but really getting like some flow involved with it um which if you're listening to this audibly it's probably not making a whole lot of sense unless you're, you're familiar <laughs> with jiu-jitsu but uh, i'm very excited about the passing stuff that i've been working on lately I, I really don't have too much to do with the mma world anymore i've kind of uh just taken it i just kind of lost interest in, in that but i i still love jiu-jitsu i teach four days a week at victory and uh, enjoy that. And I really just do it just so I can stay active with jujitsu. Like I, I, I still train every day. 
Uh, and I do enjoy the teaching and exploring aspect of jujitsu. My, my mind continues to be fascinated by the endless growth. And so, yeah, just having a good time with that. I'm, I'm really big on watching guys like, uh, Joseph Chen has been like fun for me to watch lately. And, uh, uh, Isaac Michelle, who's also a friend, but I think is like one of the best, one of the most beautiful guard passes. I think he's going to ADCC at the medal at the next ADCC. Um, he's got, got a beautiful game. So just, yeah, studying games and just, just having a good time with that stuff. Uh, I, uh, I love, love jujitsu so much and just the evolution of the game. I've like, I've thought about like, it's taken a less important role in my life is because I have to run a business and I can't train two times a day anymore. Um, which I've done my whole life because I need energy to, to do other things that are for right now more important to me. And I've thought about like, huh, could I just step away? And I've tried and it just doesn't work. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's cool, man. Talk about something healing and it's yeah. always evolving. So it, it satisfies that, uh, you know, like a meditation, but yeah. like an intellectual one as well. So that's really cool. It'd be fun to come over to victories anytime and take one of your classes. Anytime. All right, sweet. Yeah. Well, anything else? That's it, brother. All right. Hey, really fun. You're a badass dude. Uh, we'll get out of here. Awesome. See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. <laughs> it was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Derek Podcast. 